Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What you ask is impossible. Impossible. The task is only impossible because you have deemed it so. You must connect with your hatred. Focus on your power building. Do not think of anyone or anything else. That's it. Your anger is your strength. Hate you! Good. Episode 219 of Full Sit. I am Mike Pilot, and with me, my co-host that I missed so much over the last two weeks, Holly Fry and Brian Young. Or Fry, I speak to them and let them speak back to me. Let them, because I'm the boss and they can speak when I let them. Now, that's not what I meant. What? Before Holly and Brian respond to me, um, I want to thank you, too, for really working hard and putting up the sails and getting into the wind. And I don't know why I'm using sailing references, but I, I appreciate you guys really... <laughs> You know, helped me out the last two weeks. I have one week was a stomach flu. The next week was schooling that I had to, a lot of stuff to finish. So you guys do an excellent job. You make me feel good that I don't always have to worry so intensely about the show. So thank you guys for two great shows. Thanks for putting them out and doing all the production work, even though you weren't on them. Well, here's the thing. I mean, so I've always been kind of, um, I don't want to say a control freak, but I, I know how I like the show to sound and. I've never really had that. I've I've always worried about if I haven't been involved that it wouldn't turn out right. And you guys give me that kind of, it's all right, Mike. You don't have to worry about them too. They got it going on. They're both professionals. They do other shows. They're amazing. And and it's not to be goofy, but it is. It's a big weight off my chest. So I appreciate it. Well, I, Bobby had a lot to do with that. I mean, he yes, indeed. He produced and edited last week's show top to bottom by himself. Bobby always does a great job. He does. I like that guy. Bobby's a good dude. He's a true American original. He is an American hero. Gosh darn it. I want the G.I. Joe theme just rolled in my head, and <laughs> Brian gets mad when we cross the streams. <laughs> I don't get mad when we cross the streams. <laughs> I know. I'm being facetious. Oh, my Lord. Uh, but, Mike, this you're... already how like, this is going to go. No, I was just going to say, Mike, uh, you know, is t- carrying such a load right now in terms of just, you know, having extra schoolwork and... You guys both have families, which I don't have to worry about. So Mr. Burns uh, would know. argue with yeah, that. right. Mr. Burns knows that I'm his minion and not his family, but <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So I mean, anything we can do to help you when you're going through a a particularly uh, overloaded spot is an honor and a delight. Well, thank you. You are true friends, and it's a sappy time. I trust you both implicitly. Is that the word you would use there? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at me with big words. So it's it's a, it's a good relief, and thank you. So this week on the show, Brian, what are we going to be doing? Uh, we're going to go through some emails where we've been we've had a lot of emails and uh, over the last few months that we haven't quite had the time to get to, or uh, they got lost in a spam folder, yeah. or uh for a thousand different reasons but we're just going to spend the episode tonight reading your emails and commenting on things and uh you know just having a, a grand old time yeah, and whatever conversations stem from said emails yeah all right so um holly yes um i would like you to pick out the first email that you would like to read but before we we start that i sent you guys a picture a little while ago today i spent a good deal of my time driving do you know what cabela's is the camping yeah that, place. that place we have one that's outside of town well outside of town maybe 20 25 miles and it's uh it's neat to go i'm not a, i'm not a camper at all i mean i don't i don't i'm not saying i don't like the outdoors i just don't see a need for it because we have houses <laughs> <laughs> well that's where we grow our food mike uh well, i grow some food we have a garden but i don't need to sleep out there exactly i'm with mike like i will camp at the marriott yeah hyatt a hyatt is a nice tent but i'm not the outdoorsy type <laughs> yeah so we have one of those and it's like last time i took anya up to his right after they built it and you know they have a lot of cool animals up there and an aquarium and some cool stuff but the reason why we went up today is um one of our listeners Corey. he's a he's an overall good dude but a very talented dude as well he contacted me I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, and he had some really cool, um, a table, like a gaming table for Star Wars, and he had this TIE Fighter shelf that he built by hand, and he put a lot of love and effort into it, and he's, you know, getting rid of some stuff, I guess, because they're going to be, him and his wife are going to be getting a new home, and they have a little one, and he asked me a couple months ago, he's like, hey, do you think you could put these up on Facebook, or ask some of your friends if they'd be interested in this, which... I figured a lot of my friends would be because one, they look great. And two, they're just, you know, along the lines of things that we're interested in. So I guess he, he sold the gaming table fairly fast, but the shelf didn't sell as fast as I thought it would. Like if I would have, if I would have had money back then, I would have said, I'll, I'll just take it from you. So um, long story short, he texted me like uh, two weeks ago and he goes, yeah, I got rid of the table and I was really happy with that. And thanks for uh, trying to find some people for me. Cause I like to be helpful. I'm, I'm a human being with a heart. And then he mentioned that the, um, the shelf wasn't, taken yet and he's like um this is what i was looking for and he's like but you know i i take this and i'm like you know what i don't really have the money but i will take it it is something that i've been looking for in that room anyway and i've always liked things that are have a story behind them like somebody put it's not just something you got out of a thing geek catalog or you know somebody put some love and some effort into this so today i went i drove up to cabela's with a family and we met we met up with Corey, and um he gave me this wonderful beautiful shelf i gave him some money for the shelf and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous and i went right to lowe's and i got some brackets to hang it and um i wanted to thank Corey for all his hard work and for really uh treating me well giving me a great deal and something that i love so much i it's i got i sent you guys a picture i'll probably make it the short because it's gorgeous but i don't know if this is something he's interested in but if you're interested in, in something like this that he does email me Mike at fullsith.com and I'll forward the emails along to him. And if, it, if it's something he's interested in, you like to have something done for the holidays or something, go ahead. I didn't really tell him about it, so he may not like that. But um, yeah, so if you enjoy what the shelf looks like, hit me up. And Corey, thank you very much for something I've been looking for for many, many years. And it looks great on the wall and it's perfect. And I love it. So cheers as I hold up my glass of apple cider. What'd you guys think? It was pretty cool looking, right? 
Yeah, no, it, it, that uh, TIE Fighter shelf is uh, aces in my book. Yeah, I mean, the color is good, and it just looks good in my, my game room. It just looks right. It does. It looks really cool. Thank you. I, I haven't decided what I'm going to put on it yet. I was going to put some Black Series figures on it, but then I think I'm going to get all my 77 through 81 figurines out because I got some stands for them a lot while ago, and I might put that on it. I'm not sure yet, but something. But anyway, yeah. um, just a big thanks to Corey. That's all I wanted to do. So, uh, Holly, did you pick yeah. out an email that you'd like to read first? I did. Hold on, I gotta scroll down to it. And thank you, everybody, for bearing with me. I know that that was a really roundabout way of saying I could have just said, "Corey, thanks," but I didn't. It's okay. You gotta. We gotta trash camping because that's always important. Yeah. And you you gotta you know lay the groundwork for the depth of your thanks. Not really. If people love camping, that's great. Yeah. No. Don't don't send us <laughs> bad emails about camping. I just had a great time camping a couple weeks ago, so I can just say like. I enjoyed camping and everyone else can like, if you're going to email them about how you like camping, trust that I've just told them about how I like camping and it's all taken care of. Yeah. I remember you yeah. said you had a good time and listen, Luke camped on Dagobah with Yoda. So, I mean, there's a tie in right there. <laughs> Which also looked miserable to me. Let's all go to Bespin. We've been <laughs> um, anyway, no, no, no. I, I, I have attempted camping many times and was forced to camp many times as a child. It's just not my jam. But for people that love it and get a lot out of it, go you. Uh, okay, so I picked one that's a little bit silly, but really fun. Cool. Uh, um, about kitties. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so this is from our listener, Danny, and he says, Hi, guys, longtime listener and lover of the show. I was just listening to the live at FanX episode when I heard Brian and Holly mention Millicent, which I guess originated from fan fiction about Hux. I'm about as big as cat. I am about as big a cat nerd as I am a Star Wars nerd. So I was instantly infatuated and spent hours on the internet pouring over fan art of General Hux and his little ginger tabby. I just love the idea of angry, angsty Hux unwinding with a little purrier, my pet name for cats, in his private quarters. <laughs> I also noticed that Pablo said Millicent was canon jokingly on Twitter, which is making me a bit confused. Is Millicent canon now, along with cats in the Star Wars universe? It's hard to tell with that Trixie Pablo Hidalgo. Keep up the good work, and we really love you guys. Kitties. So is it canon, Brian? Well, Millicent's not. Maybe with two ends in the middle. Um, but I know we've got loath cats and tukas. Yeah. And yep. with the way Star Wars is sort of written about, I mean, we've got ducks, we've got... Uh, hamsters thanks to chuck wendig uh i'm sure there's there's a place that just has regular cats somewhere in the universe right i will say this uh millicent is extra extra special because the majority of orange tabbies are male i read that so, yeah so the, the fact that she's a she is very unusual i which makes her even better yeah of course that's the cat that Hux would want an unusual and special cat Every time I hear their name Millicent, right, makes me uh -huh. think of Maleficent. Yeah, two names I really have problems saying. So it's it's things like this. Like if you haven't gotten into the whole Millicent thing, like there's an entire Tumblr community of people who just do fan art of Millicent and Hux getting in situations, or <laughs> uh, Millicent giving Kylo Ren a bad time because Kylo Ren and Hux don't really like each other, and things like that. And, one of the things I'm most grateful for this era of Star Wars fandom and the internet and Twitter and Tumblr and all of these things 
are the fact that Pablo can make ridiculous jokes like Millicent uh, a thing. And then they happen and then people glob onto it. And Millicent is part of everyone's headcanon. And it's just the most fun thing in the world. She's yeah. just going to be off screen in every one of his scenes in The Last <laughs> Jedi. And you're going to watch those and go, oh, Millicent could have been right there. But knowing Ryan Johnson, I wouldn't be surprised if he hints at Millicent anyway in the film, just as a joke. I, I want there to be just the subtlest little meow sound somewhere in the, <laughs> that makes us all go, was that a meow? I don't know. It might have been. Maybe it was the whine of a TIE fighter. I don't know. But we no, it all was just, Millicent. Yeah, but it will have been <laughs> Millicent. I, have, uh, I like that they called Pablo Trixie. He is. Yeah. He he is a tricksy dude. Yeah. He's like the Loki of the Star Wars universe. He totally is. At least on Twitter. Yeah. Did you see all those uh responses he had to people kind of freaking out that it would be Ray's lightsaber uh from a marketing perspective going forward rather than Luke's or Anakin's? No, I didn't see it. So a lot of people were like, That's ridiculous, it's Anakin's, you know, and, and Pablo responded to a whole bunch of people with variations on like, you can call it whatever you want. Personally, I call it Sir Lazard McSorty Face or something like that. (laughs) And he just came up with a different ridiculous name for that sword every time. Um, He's a gift to all of us. We don't deserve him. Indeed. Yeah. All right. um, Brian, do you have your email ready? I do. Um, So this message is from Billy. Uh, Billy says, I'm a recent listener, so you might have explained this before, uh, but I can't find it. You said there are no gray Jedi. But how do you explain all the gray Jedi in the canon? What am I missing? Gray paladins, all the stuff in uh, Knights of the Old Republic, all the stuff with Quinlan Voss and in the books. So in need of help. This shifts my view of the entire franchise. Thanks, you guys. You are the best. Um, Billy, it sounds like maybe you were unaware of the break in the canon. And so we we had the old canon. Mm-hmm. And then in April of 2014, they shifted to the legendary canon. So all of that stuff you're referring to that kind of give us Grey Jedi in the canon was shifted out of the canon. And into legendary. Yeah, and into legendary, which which is pretty good because, and we've talked about this on the show before, and I know a lot of people really love the concept of Grey Jedi, um, and and that's totally fine and you can totally use that term on your own if if that's what you need to use to describe something but Pablo uh yeah I'm not going to stop speaking. Billy he can do that no I'm I'm not suggesting we stop him but I am saying that that like Pablo kind of went into this on Twitter again another gift from Pablo <laughs> um about how uh, and I've kind of gone on on these rants as well but it's it's sort of an oxymoron in that the Jedi sort of define their own membership and if you're using the dark side in the way that that these gray jedi did in these old video games um they would kick you out of the order for that and you would no longer be a jedi so you can't really be a gray jedi because the second you start using dark side powers they'd be like hey pal beat it yeah get out of here (laughs) um and if you started calling yourself a jedi and using dark side powers like you wouldn't like that would just be like me saying like well you know I'm president of the United States. I didn't actually like earn that post, but I guess it's I guess it's like something like like Dr. Dre. Yeah. Right? They just call themselves doctors. They're not really <laughs> doctors. He's actually got a medical medical degree. Did you not know? Well, he has he, he has a PhD in beats. There's two Dr. Dre's. Maybe one of them does, but I know that at least one of them doesn't. 
<laughs> Which Dr. Dre are you talking about? The one from the classic uh, 90s comedy, Who's the Man? Dr. Oh, Dre and Ed Lover. From yeah, yeah that's rap. right. But he's, yeah, Dr. Dre and Ed Lover. Man, that takes me back to old MTV days. <laughs> Not the same um, Dr. Dre. You're correct. We're old. Yes, we are. Anyway, uh, so so that's the situation with Grey Jedi. And, and you're free to use that term at your leisure, but it doesn't really make sense in the context of the new canon. And frankly, I'm not sure it ever made sense in the context of the old canon because the whole thing about being a Jedi is becoming one and at peace. Yeah. So to say, I want to be a Jedi and I want to be at peace, but I still want to use all the cool dark side powers seems to defeat the purpose. It's like, it's like, uh, there's there's a religious equivalent here. Like, I want to be a Jehovah's Witness, but I still want blood transfusions. Well, I was going to go with vegetarianism and mm. say, I'm a vegetarian, but I do eat bacon on Sundays. Yeah, that, that works a lot better. Cut um, out all of that Jehovah's Witness. No, no, I'm leaving it in there because I'm going to say, I'm a Catholic, but I like getting divorces. <laughs> you know? Ariana will be pleased to discover this. She is. She's happy that I've been divorced. Because now she has me. You know what you were just saying about us being old, Brian? You know who yeah. else is old? I'm going to cross some streams right here. Dr. Dre and Ed Lover? No, Wonder Woman's old, but boy, does she kick butt. Yeah. I really enjoyed yeah. the Wonder Woman movie. I really did. Me too. And that goes back, Brian. You haven't really been a fan of a lot of the DC movies here of late. But you also said you liked the Wonder Woman movie. I did. Um, this is hands down the best film in the new DC universe. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, it's fun which is unlike the others. It's exciting, unlike the others. Um, it has a story that makes sense makes and has sense. a logical pro logical progression from mm -hmm. point A to point B to point C, uh, unlike the others. Um, it has a character who's like good and heroic, unlike the others. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. It has its problems. It is not without its flaws. Yeah, it's not a perfect I, movie. I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, I uh, listen. I like. I loved watching Wonder Woman when I was a kid. I have four sisters, and they love Wonder Woman, and I liked watching it. And I have nothing against strong female leads. And I think that you know, I mean, maybe this is silly, Holly. As, as a woman, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of that movie, a lot of the good stuff that came from that movie, is the fact that there was a female director. And no matter how good a male director is, he still doesn't know what it's like to be a woman, or you know. I think that that was just a really smart call, and I think that I really enjoyed it. Sure. Am I'll I wrong? That. Is that all right? I mean, I, I don't, no, 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 I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I, I'm, my hesitance is because, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's because she is a woman director or if she's just a really good director. That's true. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I see what you're saying. But I think probably she is, you know, sensitive to some of the stuff that would be, that could easily fall into problematic areas. Like one of the things when we left the theater that I was talking to my husband about once I could sort of regain my composure to actually speak um, was what I loved was that like their little team, in case anybody hasn't heard this, I don't want to say too much, but their little team that gets assembled to kind of do this mission together. Um, when it becomes blazingly apparent that she is equipped to handle things in ways they are not, there is not prolonged head scratching of like, wow, can you believe a lady can do that? They're just like, all right, she's the leader. Um, like there's no, you know. Yeah, she kicks butt. Uh, Let's let her do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Like, okay, we, you've got this. We'll follow you, your lead, uh, which I love. There's not, again, it's not a prolonged like, yeah. wow, that's amazing. It's just kind of like this nice 
acceptance well, I think, of what they have just witnessed. Yeah, I think that's probably like the mark of a female director because a male director would have that internalized like, well, we've got to acknowledge that she's in charge right. now. Yeah, and right. I think there's a few moments like that when, right. like, when Steve Trevor is in the the pool and he gets out and he's naked. Like, I don't see many male directors making that choice, but they would if that were a woman in that situation. Right. So uh, I think it greatly benefited from having a female at the helm and and, and her sensibilities yeah. shaping that. I was really happy to be there with with Ariana and Anya, and I thought it was a great movie for Anya to see. And I, I just I wanted to give it the uh, the props that I thought it deserved because I did see some negative comments, which always you're always going to see that with any movie. But I yeah anyway I uh I digress. I, I took us off topic, but that was uh it's worth seeing. I guess is what I'm trying to tell everybody. So. Get into your email then, Mike. Yeah. Which one did you pick? So I picked this one from Kit. He's actually been a really long time listener. And he's a good, he's a good friend. So he says, uh, "I was really glad you guys had Corey on the show this week, uh, discussing his role as Clatu. Uh, reminded me of when I was a kid and realized that George Lucas named the aliens after the line in the Day the Earth Stood Still. When I was a kid, I had Clatu and Barada toys and knew about Nico. Thank you to the back of the box." And that was the only reference I had when I was six. But when I was 13 or so, I saw the day the earth stood still. And when they said the line, I was shocked. Then I looked into it a little more and realized Lucas was putting in an homage. Uh, At that point, I had no idea he had made Star Wars to be like the Flash Gordon series of his youth. It was one of the many times when I really appreciated how Lucas was very cognizant of what had come before and that he was using... Uh, this is a foundation for his sci-fi and that he was willing to work that into his movies to add to the enjoyment. I love how Lucas put so much into his movies. It makes rewatching them even more rewarding. I hope you all have a good day. And again, that's Kit. So first of all, yeah, I'm really, I was really happy that Corey was on the show. I'm glad that wasn't the weeks I missed. always like talking to Corey, but I just call them Easter eggs or whatever, an homage or, or whatever. I, I think one of the great things about what movies are doing now more than they had in let's say the previous 15 years is there are a little, lot of little things like that. One um, off the top of my head that I love hearing in almost every movie. And every time Anya hears it, she springs up and says, Oh my God, Wilhelm. Like I, I like stuff. Like that. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's just a thing now that's instead of punch buggy in the car and now it's oh, Wilhelm and she gets all excited. So yeah, I like little things like that, that if, if it's over your head or you didn't see it, you don't know it, but then, Maybe you do a podcast with two really smart people that know a lot more about movies than you do. And then they bring it up and you're like, oh, that makes total sense. So, yeah, kid, I, I like that, too. And I and, you know, say what you will about Lucas and say and about his styles or the his choices. But I, too, am appreciative of that. Me, too. Um, I One of the things that makes me really, really excited about the Han Solo movie uh, is that we will kind of get the the sort of payoff of the the homage that started out with with Han Solo in that he is like, you know, kind of scrappy and part of that whole like crazy racing society and which Lucas always loved. I mean, that's why he made American graffiti. Yeah. So I'm really excited. Like I feel like that is a really nice um development of what started as this this germ of something that was really to you know be a love letter to all of the things that had influenced him and now it's become its own thing of course that is massive and influences so many people and it will get to really really focus on one of those things he loved to begin with that catalyzed his love of of entertainment in many ways and you know the 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 flip side of that too is there's been so many movies 
from the 30s, 40s, or 50s that I may not have ever sat down and watched that I did because of certain things that people caught in Star Wars movies or Clone Wars episodes or things like that. So it kind of broadens your horizons to go back and see those other movies and open up that whole different world to yourself. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about Star Wars. It introduced me to Kurosawa and Alec Guinness films and uh, all kinds of classic cinema that I'm I'm not sure I would have uh, dove into with the same amount of enthusiasm that I did. Yeah. All right, Holly, you're on you're on point now. Oh, that's me again. Uh, okay, this one is uh, from Jonathan. It is about planets, uh, and he says very nice things about us at the beginning. Uh, so thank you for that. I'm always feel weird about reading those things. Uh, just cuts. So he says, I think on the question of planets that I'd like to live in, I think it would easily be Hoth, probably a controversial choice, but I have always hated the heat to the extent that I hate any kind of sun in England. If you know about it, we don't get much and feel that the cold of Hoth would be perfect for me. Plus imagine the snowball fights. Uh, also wanted to say that Brian and Holly were discussing walking around Bespin on battlefront and admiring the scenery, but getting shot. You could always do it in pairs, one covering the other's backs while the other admires the view. Sorry for such a long email. Keep up the awesome work. It wasn't that long. Well, you cut all of the, the complimentary stuff, too. Right. It was it was fairly brief, but um, anyway, it was very sweet. But I love, uh, it's one of the things that has come up in personal conversations and in conversations with people online, uh, how much like the planet thing becomes like a great conversation starter. And I love hearing everybody's like reasons why they would live on various planets. It's so fun. Yeah. But he's, he's really smart. Yeah. Uh, go down, go down uh, with a, with a friend and watch each other's backs. That's great. You know, that, but those levels are too fast and furious for that kind of behavior. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, one of the things I was going to mention is that. And then the other thing is you're walking down the hallway and somebody's supposed to be covering your back. And the next thing you know, now they're running and gunning and they take off and you're left there by yourself anyway. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that would work out well for Holly and I. <laughs> no, we there a lot of swearing would be involved in both that's, of our parts. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that it would be problematic. I'm just saying like we wouldn't get much done in the game. No, probably not. Which is fine with me. I mean, there are times when I hop on and just with the intent that okay, I'm I'm going to suck at this round even more than usual, and then I'm just going to look around and enjoy this because every time you're in it and you don't get to pause like even the um the jakku levels i'm just like oh can we hang on a minute or like i have that thing where if a character one of the the hero or bonus characters shows up that i want to see i just want to chase them around and see <laughs> what their stuff looks like yeah like i chase anybody that gets krennic i'm just like okay i'm gonna follow that guy even if he's not on my team at great personal risk i just <laughs> run around yeah we should play Battlefront again. Yes, we should. I wish we had. I wish we had more time. Um, I what me and Anya do is we'll we'll set it up like against each other, like she's heroes and I'm villains or whatever, and then we have a truce, and then we walk through the whole level together to check out all the stuff and to see where all the cool things are. That's the best I can do. And then I shoot her in the back, and I say, "You lost." <laughs> it's like the Royal Tenenbaums. There are no teams. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, note to self, don't play with Mike in a truce. <laughs> <laughs> no, truce mean nothing to me. You really don't. <laughs> Listen, you don't win by playing fair. Brian, you're up. So I have an email from uh, Eric, and Eric says, uh, I'm on playback number, I don't know, uh, I don't know of episode seven, and at 19 minutes or so, when Ray is contemplating selling BB-8, it sounds like she said the droids 
are not for sale, not the droid is not for sale. Can you clarify? I noticed it on my digital download copy for Movies Anywhere. I think what happened there was she just contracted the droid is to the droids and the droids are not for sale. Yeah. Um, and then he says, and what the heck is the thing with red eyes that pops out of the sand as BB-8 rolls away from the outpost the First Order destroyed when they took Poe uh, later? And if I if I bump into any of you on the eastern side of Pennsylvania, I'll buy you a beer. So cool. you've got to watch out for that one. Yes. Like, so that thing, that thing, uh, I don't, uh, I'm sure it has a name already, but it is, uh, we're going to see a lot more of it on Star Wars Forces of Destiny. Yeah. It does have a name, and I don't have my books handy with me to look it up, which is, you can tell that I worked in a library for a decade, because I'm always like, look it up! Um, and I don't have my reference Are you talking periods. about the, the hammerhead-looking thing with the red eyes? Is that what hey, if you give me yes. 20 seconds, I'll go grab my book. It is handy. Yeah, go ahead. Handy. Go ahead. Run. I could be wrong, but I feel like it's not contextually in, like, the Jakku section. Is it in Arcona? It's, I'm going to Google this biz now. The Arconas, those are those are like uh, those are different. That's a different species. But it looks that, just like that, though, doesn't it? Not really. I mean, it looks kind of like that. Someone needs to go onto Wikipedia and create a scene by scene breakdown of every page they have of everything in every scene. So uh, it is a night watcher worm or an Arconan night terror. Nightwatcher worm. That's what I just found too. They bear a passing resemblance to the Arcona, a sentient species with a humanoid body, but they're not there. There you go. Okay, Nightwatcher worms. You will see more of them in Forces of Destiny. Ray has a run in with it that's pretty spectacular. I'm so excited for Forces of Destiny. Me too. Can I also say, can I have a quick Mia culpa? Sure. Um, I don't remember. What show it was on, it was sometime in the last six months. I think it might have been a panel that we even recorded and put on the show from Salt Lake Comic Con. But I said that I thought Alexander Freed was writing Inferno Squad. And that is incorrect. It's Christy Golden. And yeah. I like Christy. Uh, and I like her stuff. I like Christy and I, too. I seriously feel bad about it. I've like it's been plaguing me ever since I said that. So I just wanted to get that out there while we're while we're sort of jumping from topic to topic. I'm glad you said that. You know, my first time I met Christy was at Salt Lake Comic Con last year when we were on a couple panels together. And although I love reading her books, she was really great to, to meet in person and talk to. Like the couple panels we did, it was awesome. My The first time I met Christy, uh, we were on a panel together memorializing Aaron Alston at Star Wars Celebration. So that was, mm. that was a fine how do you do. Yeah. So, Mike, it's your turn. Yeah. So uh, this email says, hey, and hey is for horses. So going back and listening to older episodes, wondering if you guys have considered revisiting a further discussion on how Clone Wars changed Star Wars. That was a great panel. I was surprised that the moment when everything changed for me was not discussed. It was like I was standing in the middle of a swirling sandstorm and everything I had known about Star Wars had just, had just changed. That moment was in the episode Sacrifice when Yoda is told there is another Skywalker. I have really begun to question and analyze, was Anakin really the chosen one? Would love to delve more into that with you all. And that's from Jennifer. And I think I think the last time we did the show together, when we were all here, we were talking about Anakin being the chosen one, or was it Luke? And um, I think the conclusion we came up to was yes and no. Like, we all thought something different. Um, so this is one of the panels from Salt Lake Comic Con that I feel 
uh, that we did with Gary Witta and Matt Martin and me and, and Holly was there and a good time was had by all. And I'm sort of sad that we can't give you the audio because we spent an hour debating this. <laughs> wow. And I want to reassemble that panel at some point with many of the same players to go into it again, because I think that's a really interesting discussion to have. Was uh, like the recording lost or it wasn't recorded or what happened? We were asked not to use it. Ah. Um, we did not get permission from all of the participants to use it. So they, they asked us not to. Understood. Okay. So what was kind of the conclusions from that? Hour the conclusions was, is that we'll never get a definitive answer ever. Right. Right. Like it, it's, it's literally, it's designed to be left up to debate. Nothing wrong with that. No, and it'll it'll spark many conversations for years and years and years, I'm confident. Well, it's open to interpretation amongst the characters in the in the story. So it's like, how can we have a definitive answer when even the characters in the story can't figure out what's right? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, just in the years that we've known each other, Ryan, we've, that has been a topic of conversation at least 10 times. So, and we can just keep talking about it. Yeah. And I don't have to feel stupid. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Other people don't yeah. know, too. Nobody knows. But how, how, I don't think it would be fun if everything in Star Wars had a definitive answer. I don't think no. so. I don't think so. Besides the fact of having those conversations over and over and over again, um, just the fact that in life, we'll never know the answers to everything. So you don't, I, I, it teaches you, you have to, you have to learn to deal with it. I have to learn to not deal with not knowing everything. It's Agreed. okay. It's okay. Oh, yeah, which is really hard for me. I know. I know. <laughs> but it's okay. I mean, really, like, that's that's part of what makes Star Wars so rich and what makes, you know, the friendships that we make in Star Wars fandom so unique and really wonderful is that, you know, they start from these, the the germs of these kinds of questions. And we we will have literally years long discussions about the same thing as different elements come to light and add to the story and give us more information. And it just keeps going. It's the beauty of it to me. I love it. Yeah. Well said. All right. Holly email. Is it me again? No, already? it's your turn. Mike. I just read one from Jennifer. We were just talking about it. That's what we've been discussing. This oh, whole time. that's true. I thought we were still on the one I read. Nope. <laughs> I feel like we skipped one of you, but I could be wrong. Uh, so <laughs> this one is from, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Sammy. And it says, hi, Holly, Brian, and Mike. Just want to say I'm a huge fan of the show. And it was great to see Holly and Brian at Fanex this year. We missed you, Mike. We missed you too, Mike. I'll interject that. Uh, I just wanted to say that I'm a huge Leia fan. And I even dressed as Leia from A New Hope on the first day of Fanex. And I really appreciated the Carrie Fisher panel that Brian and Holly were part of. Unfortunately, I did not get to share my favorite Carrie Fisher moment. And what I love about her, I was too scared. But for me growing up, I can't imagine where I would be now without uh, without having a strong woman like Leia and Carrie to look up to. And I'm still growing up and she will always be a great role model for me. I also have a question about Leia and the Force and Vader. How come Vader can sense the Force in Luke from his fighter, but not in Leia when she is standing right in front of him? Thanks, guys. Love the show. And you guys are awesome. And may the Force be with you. Uh, one, Sammy, I'm, I'm bummed that you didn't get to share your, your Carrie Fisher moment with us at the panel, but I completely understand. Uh, don't, don't be afraid. We're all friends here. Just get up there. Yeah, and exactly. Say yeah, exactly. But people get stage fright. It happens. No worries. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I sort of have theories about Luke and and the Leia thing, but they might be half baked. Part of it to me is that by the time Vader encounters Luke, Luke is actively engaging with the Force and is aware that it is a thing that is part of his path in life, whereas Leia at that point has not had any such revelation. Uh, that's the way I reconcile it in my head. So she's, even though she is force sensitive, she has not really cognizantly made any effort to tap into that. So it might not be projecting quite so, so clearly. And that makes sense. The way I have always, you know, kind of dealt with it was that Leia was too much like Padme and he tried to block all of Padme. So he couldn't see something standing in front of him because it's something that he was trying to block out and not deal with. Well, and for all intents and purposes, uh, uh, there's the idea from Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like, uh, he might have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Yeah. Right? Like, for, for Leia's father was Bail Organa, and so why would she put off this aura that she was someone else? Or why would she get the sense, like, oh, that guy is my father? Well, like, not, not so much the sense, but he could sense the Force within her. Right. Yeah, but I mean, the force is literally in everyone. So it's not like, I mean, the, the most he'd get is like when he does with Luke, right? In uh, at the Death Star Trench, where it's just like, oh, the force is strong with this one. Like, that's that's as far as that goes. Yeah. It's not right. like, yeah, you're right. I can read your entire genealogy because of this. My God, I'm your father. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have his, I bet that's got to be my kid. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have the Ancestry.com, you know, DNA kit going on there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) That's not how the force works. uh, But that's yeah. I think that's another great thing about Star Wars, Holly, is we can come up with these things to rationalize it or deal with it on our own. Like that's I've always never had a problem with that because I just thought he's trying not to see Padme. But that's a good email. There's there's a lot of good reasons. Yeah. That's everybody's like, uh, well, not everybody. There are a few people who are like, there's so many plot holes in Star Wars, and it's like, well, what are they? And it's it's things like that that invariably get mentioned and it's like, well, there's a thousand reasons that could have been totally like, there's a thousand reasons for that, Mm -hmm. that you could come up with if you were reasonably looking at the story. You can do that first of all with any story. And second of all, people just like doing that because they're miserable. No, not with any story. I tried, like there's a couple of movies where I've tried to like hand wave away all the mistakes and I just can't. (laughs) Give me an example of one. Uh, The two that come to my head, the fastest are the Matrix and Batman v Superman. What a shock! What a shock! I knew it. I thought he was going to say Matrix, so yeah. <laughs> I said both. Well, you got we covered we it. We each picked one that we knew it would be, and you covered both bases. Good job. Well, you guys guessed because those are obvious answers, not just because it's me, but because I'm right. Oh, is that why? Okay. <laughs> well, because I've also heard you hold forth for like an hour straight, sans interruption, and barely taking a breath about Batman versus Superman. That was a good night. It was good times. Brian has playfully told me I'm dead wrong on things several times, and I know it's playfully because he's we're just being having banter and back and forth, and that he truly believes that I'm wrong, so it doesn't bother me. But the only time he's ever, like, kind of dismissed me in a conversation was Matrix-related. It was completely, I'm done with you with this. I'm, I'm not even going to talk no, about it's, it. No, I just didn't want to argue. <laughs> well, I have, there's more fun things for us to talk about than me having to break down why, the, why I didn't like the Matrix. It's not a fun conversation From to this have. side of the conversation, it's quite great. I like hearing you talk passionately about things that you do not like. It's, 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 but you like a lot of things. Thing, I don't. 
the thing I really like about Full of Sith is that we try to be really positive about things. And I tell people like, hey, like I tell people this actively in Star Wars fandom, don't crap on things people like. So right. I'm always really <laughs> hesitant to say like, guys, here's all the reasons I dislike the Matrix and you're probably silly for liking it. Because I don't want to be guilty of that, what I preach against in our fandom, in someone else's fandom. I just, I just yeah. like the inner struggle. It's, it's very Jedi-like, Brian. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of Brian, what's your next email? Uh, so I've got, uh, it's an email uh, with the subject line, The Jar Jar Show. There you go. So uh, this is from Christopher. And Christopher writes, Your last episode's discussion on Jar Jar was really interesting. Although I disagree with your interpretation of Aftermath and the Jar Jar Clown show they wrote in the book, one character I would like to hear you discuss is Mon Mothma in the new canon. I feel they've taken a lot of authority, uh, a lot of the authority the character had in the old EU away. Maybe the next episode of Rebels will explain how the Alliance works. It just seems she's folded a little too easily in Rogue One. If Leia was in that meeting with Jin, I feel someone like Mon Mothma would have been run over. Maybe we just haven't seen enough of her. Um, so I wanted to read this email to talk to you two about how you felt about how Mon Mothma is in the new canon. I think um, reading Aftermath, which which Christopher cited, like I think she's she's got some really meaty stuff to do there. We're just not focused on that part of the story, but she's doing really important work and. I'm really enjoying her return in the canon as, as they've been using her a lot. But what about you two? I have loved it. I'm trying to remember which book it is that it's mentioned that she briefly was um, considering pursuing a career as a historian, which I, of course, loved. And um, I really liked, in the Aftermath books, the exploration of the relationship between Mon Mothma and Leia. Like, to me, that was so rich and really interesting to explore because here are two people who have worked side by side for the same thing for so long, and they clearly have a very close relationship and consider each other friends, but there can be strains put on those relationships, and exploring that is, to me, really interesting. I uh, It reminded me a lot of, uh, have you watched the John Adams HBO series? Yes. Benjamin Franklin and John Adams trying to work together as ambassadors of France. Yeah. That's what their relationship reminds me of. Where Mon Mothma is the Ben Franklin, and she's sort of the the, the John Adams. Yeah. Where she, <laughs> that's very much how how I saw that bit of the relationship where Leia is just like, we're here, we're doing this, and Mon Mothma's like, we've got to go easy here. Like, we're not we're not on Alderaan anymore. I mean, aside from the fact that it's been blown up. Um, and uh, I really I really like that stuff. I think. Um, let's see if I can word this the way it seems like in my head. I think that every character, whether it be in a book, a movie, or just a character in real life, a real person, I think that the experiences that we go through and the things that we learn over time, they all make us a stronger person, maybe somebody who's willing to act sooner, for learning from old mistakes of not doing something and having that regret. If I'm quoting the person right, saying about her being steamrolled, if Leia would have been involved in that meeting, right? Um, I think a lot has happened to the Rebellion and to Mon Mothma over the course of time between Rogue One and, you know, Return of the Jedi or whatever. And I think that her character has evolved greatly in that bit of time. We all have to start somewhere. Yeah. And she has a weight of the Rebellion on her shoulders, too. I mean, any any wrong mistake, any action that has not been thought out properly could be the end of the Rebellion in one quick swoop. Yeah. I want more. 
I like everybody. I, I want more of everything, but I really would love a, a Mon Mothma standalone. Sure. Oh, it made me happy, happy. To answer your question, Brian, easily. I was, I loved when we first saw her in the first uh, trailer for it. I was really, really happy that they put her in it. I was glad they, I don't know the name of the actress that they chose. She was fantastic. It was a believable. Genevieve O'Reilly. There you go. Mm-hmm. Who was the actress that George Lucas chose for all those deleted scenes in Revenge <laughs> of the Sith. Really? Yeah, she's spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it, was, it was great. Um, my next email is this one. First of all, love the show. Got into full of Sith shortly after uh, Force Awakens came out, but I've been a Star Wars fan for 20 years now. It's great to find a podcast of Star Wars fans who love Star Wars in the same way I do. I love the latest episode about Han Solo, but I was struck by a somewhat unrelated point that was brought up. I loved when Brian mentioned how Rebels and the comments that Filoni made at Star Wars Celebration Orlando changed the way he thought about Rogue One. Personally, I've always felt that the biggest effect Rogue One had on me was the way it made me think about Rebels. I think the themes of Rogue One, sacrifice for the greater good, people who have previously ignored or were complacent in the evils of the Empire waking up and taking a stand against evil that sometimes fighting for what's right can require doing bad things, etc., are also the central themes of Rebels and made me appreciate and understand those themes a lot more. I also think the thing that struck me most about Rogue One is that, unlike the main saga films, it's about regular people. They aren't chosen ones, they aren't Jedi, they aren't part of the Skywalker family mythos. They are people we don't hear about in stories that nonetheless were very heroic and paved the way for the victories that came after them. The main characters in Rebels are people like that too. Yes, Kanan and Ezra are Jedi, but they are slowly learning over the course of the series that restoring the, the Jedi Order is not their fate. I don't presume to know what will ultimately happen to the Ghost crew, but I can still be certain their role in the saga is much more like that of the characters of Rogue One, even if they do survive the final season. They are people who lay down the groundwork. I guess what I just wanted to say is that it's really true that each new piece of Star Wars media complements and deepens the rest. And for me, Rogue One and Rebels are truly companion pieces that together amount to the most moving and effective Star Wars stories I've ever come across. May the Force be with you, Stephanie. Stephanie, I I agree with you 100%. Rogue One made Rebels better for me. Rogue One made the the, uh, original part of the saga better. Rogue One is a movie that, and I'm being repetitive here, but when it was first announced, I was excited, yes, we're having a Star Wars movie, but I wasn't, like, losing my mind or couldn't wait or any of those things until I saw the first trailer. I'm like, hmm, interesting. But the fact that uh, every time I've watched Rogue One, I've found something else that has made me have an emotional feel or has connected something in Rebels or something else down the line. Um, Rogue One, now that we're, 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 what, six, seven months since Rogue One, and uh, every time I watch it, I still have the feeling that I like it almost as much as Empire, and that says a lot for me because Empire is my movie. So um, I agree. Uh, I think that all of these things that are happening now with Rebels, with the, the standalone movies, with the, the new movies, uh, I hate to sound like that repetitive that we always say, but it's a wonderful time to be a Star Wars fan, and I think the fact that they're taking great care and conscious efforts to connect these things for us is is really it's paramount it's it's wonderful it's great yeah no i i agree it really speaks to the value and the work of the story group you know that things do connect in a way that always makes sense we don't have to do a lot of dancing to try to fit stuff together that maybe wasn't always considered in a bigger picture scenario uh which sometimes happened with the eu which is no shade to the eu it's just it didn't have that same level of of guiding 
principles behind everything that was done. So you couldn't always lock it together and have it make the best sense. Uh, so that's one of the things I really, really love about this forward momentum of, of the new canon under the story group. Like everything enriches everything else. Yeah. It's so delicious. I agree. And with me agreeing, Holly, it's now your turn again. How does this keep happening? It's so fast. Um, <laughs> this one is from our listener, Ben. He says, Dear Mike, Brian, and Holly, my son and I really enjoyed the Full of Sith podcast at Celebration. It was very ne- nice to meet Mike and Brian afterward, and we completely understand that Holly had another commitment. Again, my apologies. I had to run off and film another thing. Um, I this told podcast- a lot of people I was Holly. I'm like, well, you're meeting did me now. You? I'm Holly. I hear this is there Mike. You go. This is Holly. I did that. The dress me. really sold it. Yeah. Did, did you start swearing a lot more? And, well, I can't uh, say what I said on the air, but yes, I did. And behaving poorly? Yeah. Because uh, that's how you got to sell it. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ben goes on to say, this podcast and post show were truly among the brightest lights of the convention for us. I wasn't bothered at all by Luke's line, it's time for the Jedi to end in the teaser, which for anybody that hasn't listened to that show, we talked about a lot on that panel. Uh, Kylo is not a Sith, but a Knight of Ren, and Luke's Jedi school ended disastrously. So since The Force Awakens, it has seemed clear we are due for some kind of change on the light side. I predict one of the themes of the movie will be the tension between tradition and evolution, ironically with Rey probably championing the former and Luke the latter. I don't think the new saga marks the end of Force users or even lightsabers, but instead just the beginning of a new struggle for balance. I also really enjoyed Empire's End and Thrawn. They are expanding the Star Wars galaxy into a larger realm. Spoiler coming up if you haven't read the books. Thank you for that, uh, Ben, Mm -hmm. for both us and for our listeners. He says, while the mentions of the unknown regions, uh, with the mentions of the unknown regions being so prevalent in those books and Palpatine's interest in them in his contingency plans, I think this is the place where Snoke will be revealed to come from. I hope the unknown regions will introduce strange new phenomena into the Star Wars galaxy that are different from the Force, but wild and interesting in their own way. The ending of Thrawn leaves the door open, not only for additional books, but also the possibility of seeing him and the Chiss in the saga movies. May the Force be with you, Ben. You know, if I had more people in my life, like I do, that I've met through Full of Sith, that have shared with us their ideas and discussed many things with us, I would never get anything done in my life. So I'm kind of happy in a way that I don't have a lot of close Star Wars fans that work with me or come across me in a daily, you know, in a daily way because I would never get anything done. But I love hearing these things. I work in the office next to my uh, childhood friend who we met over Star Wars at 13 and we've been friends and working together ever since. And every time a trailer comes out, like our productivity goes down to next to nothing. (laughs) Like, and it's not just Star Wars either. It's like uh, Marvel stuff, DC stuff. When the new alien movie came out, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we're really good at multitasking, so we can get our work done and nerd out at the same time. But it is, it can be exhausting, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Did, were you going to say something about the email, Holly? I'm sorry if I cut you off. Shark. No. Um, one, I think he's spot on with the whole thing about The Last Jedi. That's kind of, uh, we alluded to that, I think, in that episode, that it's, it's just going to change. And I, I said it then, and I will be repetitive and say it again, but like, the light side and the dark side are kind of constants in my mind. Whereas things like the Jedi and the Sith are social constructs defined by those, but they're not the thing that goes on and on forever. It's the force and it's, it's variant uh, elements that do. So uh, it makes perfect sense to me that we have moved past, it seems the Sith and probably we will have to move past the Jedi. Otherwise we're just going to get stuck in the, in the mud. 
Um, I also like him really, really like that the, the new canon literature is really expanding into all of this unknown region stuff. I feel like it is so, uh, it is such a, a potential well to draw from to bring us just new things we have not even conceived in the Star Wars universe before. So I hope that they deliver on it, whether or not that's where Snoke comes from. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know that I would care to to hazard a guess, but I just love that it's it's there and it's something that's being explored and hinted and teased at. Uh, so hopefully it will be uh, continued to be explored in new ways. I love that answer. I don't know. I, I don't know. I would actually like, I wonder if there is no plan at the moment for the unknown regions, but every time they sow a seed, it's not because they know what's happening, but because they know eventually it could pay off. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's setting up like a nice, a nice tent for storytellers to move into at the end of the, you know, for the next part of the, um, I was going to make a weird like wedding analogy and I don't know why I was going there. You know, you have the ceremony and then you move into the tent for the dancing, but that's silly. Cause it goes so back there's to tents. Be- Dancing in the unknown regions. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course there is. Well, we went from tents in the beginning of the show to tents now. It's like the circus. They're intense. What a joke, <laughs> Brian. We're gonna. You're gonna read one more. I'll read one more, and I can't believe we're run out of time already. Yeah. So this message is from Richard, and Richard says, "Hey y'all, I have always been a huge Star Wars fan, but I grew up during the prequel era. I'm just now starting to dive into the expanded universe and have just started to listen to your podcast. I love it, even though I get lost sometimes. In fact, I'm starting from episode one of your podcast just to sort of catch up and take in all the information I can. You may have talked about this in an episode I've not listened to yet. But my question is if there are any rumors or rumblings about a possible Yoda spinoff film. I feel it would be a logical choice considering he's one of the most renowned and universal characters from the saga, but there being very little information known about it. I started to think about this when you guys were having a discussion about whether or not Yoda might have spent a period as a part of the dark side at yeah. some point in his long life. I feel the writers for the movie would have a lot of freedom to do whatever with his story. Thanks for you doing the podcast. It's great so far. I have a lot of catching up to do considering I just finished episode 12. However, I look forward to every episode the rest of the way. I appreciate that your discussions appeal to those with volumes of knowledge, but also people like me who are just getting started. So thank you for that. That message richard yeah and uh there's not gonna be dark side yoda well we kind of saw it in the uh, lost archives of the clone wars i mean so we are visually kind of saw it and i feel bad because richard is probably going to get the answer to this email uh like two years from now if he's only on episode 12 (laughs) um so richard i hope you've still stuck around that'd be a nice surprise for him yeah um and I, you know what? There were some rumors early on that there was going to be a Yoda film, but I sincerely doubt it just because there is so much mystery surrounding him. I think Yoda would probably work better as being part of that mystery. Even George Lucas was like, eh, let's get rid of Yaddle because I think it infringed a little bit of, on that. Although I'd love a Yaddle movie. Why don't, let's get a Yaddle I, I agree, Brian. I think that, uh, like we were saying earlier, there's some things better left unknown. And I think... Yoda is a, is a perfect example of that. Would I watch a Yoda spinoff movie? Absolutely. Would I see my dark side Yoda? Yes, I think I would. Damn it, Mike. Better left unsaid. Better left unknown. <laughs> you know? All right. And here is my last email. This comes from Tom. We've all met Tom at many different yeah. celebrations. He is a great guy. He's a good father. 
and um, I always like hearing his insights. So uh, bear with me because it's a little long, but I'll try not to read it like terribly. Hey guys, had a great time at Celebration. It was fun to see you guys doing this show. I wanted to talk to you about the balance in the Force and Chirrut, Emway, and Ahsoka. Brian talked about balance not being like good and evil balanced on scales, but more about evil causing disturbances and good defeating evil to restore balance. But as we know, good is a point of view. Uh, the Jedi believed they were doing good, but they weren't always. The Force doesn't want to be pushed and pulled and manipulated in the name of good any more than evil, and certainly not for violence. Chirrut Imwe has Force balance. He serves and protects the Force. He listens to it. He has learned to quiet his mind and hear the midichlorians speaking to him. The Force tells him where 15 troopers are and how they will move. He uses his own physical skills to take them down. He doesn't start force pushing and choking them. Ultimately, I think this is what a Jedi should be, not involved in politics. Its own council, the Force, uh, will keep on what is good. The Force told Chirrut to help Jin, so he did. Ahsoka's lightsabers are white because she's not a Jedi, sure, but why exactly? Uh, because she's balanced? In the novel, she's in hiding. She can't risk using Force uh, in any outward, active way. The results is that she listens to the Force more closely than ever before. She doesn't use the Force until she's completely out of options and has to fight. She is right to do so, but right or not, it still creates ripples in the Force. In our world, a hero might kill a villain to save thousands of innocents, and it's the right thing to do, but they still have to bear the burden of the righteous kill. So, in the end, Luke stands in front of the Emperor, declares himself a Jedi, and throws down his lightsaber, elevating the Jedi to something greater than they have been. He won't participate in destructive conflict anymore. It's brave and it's right, and the Force pays off by having its own creation, the Force in the flesh, chosen one, Anakin, then steps in and destroys the Emperor, thus bringing the Force into legit balance for the first time in over a thousand years. At that point, I believe Luke certainly shouldn't have recreated the Jedi Order as it was. He should have molded it them after the Guardians of the Wills. Perhaps he did and failed, but whatever he did, it didn't work right. So while I get where Brian's coming from in that he dreaded the idea of Luke saying the Jedi must end, when I heard it, I was all goosebumps and fist pumps. Uh, I may not be exactly right about this, but it's very clear that Ryan Johnson gets Star Wars at its deepest levels. That is all kinds of exciting. Thanks for listening. It was great to see you three in Orlando. And uh, Akmena lives. And that's Tom. Yeah. I, yes, uh, she does. I'm a big Akmena fan. I don't recall being dreading Luke saying that. I thought I was excited because I got to tell everybody I told you so. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, But I think, I, I wonder I wonder how many midi-chlorians Chirrut Imwe actually has because uh, he presumably would have been a child by the time, or at during a time when the Jedi would have still been around. So he, if he had enough force potential, he would have been brought into the order. Well, and it's worth mentioning, it comes up in guardians of the wills, right? That he, this is a slight, very slight spoiler. If anybody hasn't read it, that he really has to work very, very hard to, you know, feel the force around him, which would suggest that it's, it's he, like everyone we mentioned earlier, the force is in all of us, but he has chosen a path where he specifically tries to focus on it rather than being someone who is naturally just in tune with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think Ahsoka's lightsabers are white because she's not a Jedi or because she's in balance. I think the, um, 
the crystal bleeding situation kind of explains that, right? Where where a dark side user touches the dark side with someone else's crystals and it bleeds and cracks that crystal because they're a living thing. And then when Ahsoka takes it back because she hears them calling to her, she's healing it in a way with her touch. So I think if Ahsoka were to go out and find, were to have gone out, if Ilum had have still existed, and she went and found new sabers, she probably would have found green sabers again. Hmm. Oh, right. So you're saying their color was completely depleted by the bleeding process, and so when she healed them, they had no other pigment. Yeah. But it just went to white. That's an interesting that interpretation. Is. Yeah, I agree. Brian, I, uh, you have one more to read. Yeah, no, I do. I do have, I do have one more that I think would be good, and, and we don't have to comment much on it, but uh, I would like to get into it um, because it's totally my jam. So this is from Colby in New Orleans, and he says, Hey, y'all, in an interview with Empire Magazine this week, Ryan Johnson brought up some of the movies he'd been watching with respect to preparing for The Last Jedi. He mentioned 12 O'Clock High and Three Outlaw Samurai. No big surprise, these movies have lots to contribute to aerial battles and sword fighting. I would imagine Episode Eight won't be the first Star Wars movie to be inspired by these films. What was surprising and incredibly exciting is the third film he mentioned, Alfred Hitchcock's 1955 To Catch a Thief. In this movie, Cary Grant plays John Roby, an aged jewel thief of some renown, living in relative seclusion on the French Riviera. Riviera. He recognizes that during the war, he let his friends down and feels as though this contributes to his reclusivity. He was a master of his craft, but it is a craft he no longer practices until a copycat burglar starts stealing jewels around the Riviera, and Roby's recently unsullied good name is again being called into question. He meets a young woman, Frances Stevens, who is eager to spend time with him, and by doing so, she learns of his past and becomes relentless in her pursuit to get him to train her in his put-aside skill set. Action and adventure and romance ultimately ensue. Okay, putting aside the romantic angle of To Catch a Thief, which is my absolute favorite Hitchcock film. It's not my absolute favorite Hitchcock film. That's Colby's, but it is a great Hitchcock film. It is. The parallels between John and Francis and what could be speculated about Luke and Ray are very exciting. Watching John go about what he sees as an important task that has been dropped in his lap, one to prove himself, prove to himself and his former companions that he is capable of doing the right thing, endears you to, endears you to his character right away. Francis is completely enamored of John, and she admires his abilities once she learns of them. I doubt The Last Jedi will be a Star Wars version of To Catch a Thief, but the idea of Ryan Johnson looking at the character dynamic between John and Francis and thinking to apply it as the scaffolding for Luke and Ray is brilliant. The people at Lucasfilm continue to show me that no matter how excited I am, they can always turn me up to 11. And uh, I felt very much the same way when I read that, that To Catch a Thief was in the mix there. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for that email, Colby. I think it's uh, really interesting, and I hope it gets more people to watch To Catch a Thief, which is probably, I would say, the least known of Cary Grant's Alfred Hitchcock collaborations. Well, maybe Suspicion is. That's a great movie. You should check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Indeed. Very insightful email. So I just wanted to get that out there. I didn't want to leave this in my inbox. No, no, that's perfect. Anyway, so thank you everybody for their for your emails and um sharing your thoughts and, and I like I said, I, I find it very it's just interesting and, and I love hearing things that I wouldn't have otherwise thought of and I like people's ideas and I even like when people disagree with, with what I think because it still doesn't just because I think something doesn't make it right. It's actually yeah, I mean, the opposite. I'll, that's why you like me so much, Mike. That's we why I disagree talk to you. constantly. I'm just like, 
You got to make me better, <laughs> Brian. I appreciate it. But if you want to do so, if you want to leave us an email, please do it at holochronicfullofsith.com. If you want to leave a voicemail, do so on the SpeakPipe. I do have a couple of voicemails that are here. I might just tack them on at the end of the show. Just depends on how much time we are running time-wise. If not, we'll, we'll get to them. But um, SpeakPipe app on the website, fullofsith.com. And there you can find our contact information, like our Twitters, at fullofsith, at the mic, at Surly's Girl, at Swankmatron, facebook.com slash fullofsith. Go there and like us if you haven't already. And the um, the group's full of Sith, the discussion page is facebook.com slash groups slash full of Sith. And uh, again, holocron of Sith.com. Just email us and uh, we love reading them. And we're thankful that people share their ideas with us. It's very cool. Other things that are cool are things that Holly Fry does. And she's going to tell you about them right now. I pet kitties. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, yeah. If you want to uh, listen to my podcast that I do for my my day job. It is Stuff You Missed in History class, and you can find that at MissedInHistory.com, as well as across the spectrum of social media as at Missed in History. And then Brian and I also do a authentic history podcast together. We do. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we're in the midst of a really cool two-parter about Beta Ray Bill right now. If you've never heard of Beta Ray Bill, get on it. Who's Beta Ray Bill? Beta Ray Bill is the Corbinite... Uh, a refugee who ends up beating Thor uh, like in hand-to-hand combat steals his hammer, but no. because he's worthy of it, he, he gets to pick it up and take the power of Thor, which is very confusing to Thor. That's crazy. I'm going to have to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Check out the, all the check out Fothenic and, and, and if you haven't been listening to Holly's missing history, I don't know where you've been and what rock you crawled out from under. <laughs> But, uh, I, I would, I mean, like for every one of you listeners that listen to Full of Sith, there's probably 15 that listen to, there's probably a hundred actually. 100, it's probably, yeah. it's probably a hundred to one. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's an incredible, incredible show that I've listened to before I knew Holly and it's awesome. So check that out. Brian, what about your writings and such? Uh, people can uh, find my writings on starwars.com and uh, I've got a new piece about Wonder Woman up on howstuffworks.com. Cool. And, uh, BigShinyRobot.com is always a good, reliable place to find my writing. But if you're interested in my prose writing, uh, not only can you find books I've written on Amazon, uh, but you can get a short story from me every month by backing me on Patreon for as little as $1. And that's Patreon.com forward slash Swankmatron. The price of a cup of coffee at a McDonald's. Yeah. 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 For the price of a really cheap, bad cup of coffee, you can get a short story from me. Which you'll have forever. Um. True. Well, and you also get access to all the other short stories I've written. So I think I'm on, uh, I've written 10 short stories for my Patreon. So if you get in and just become a person on there, you can read all of the previous short stories as well. It opens up a whole new world to you, just like Aladdin Indeed. did with Jasmine. Um, I, I feel weird <laughs> talking about all this. Um, oh, you're a really great hype man though, Mike. Thank you. Um, but uh, if you just want to hear me yap about things and probably put my foot in my mouth more often than I should, just follow me on Twitter at uh, Swankatron. <laughs> there you go. If you want to find me, I'm at themike.com. Things I've done or will do are there. And um, I'm really happy to be back with you guys this week. I had a lot of fun. I missed hearing your guys' voices. They're very unique. And when I just hear it in a conversation by listening to the show last week, I start yelling at my computer. And you just don't hear me. And then I'm sad. But I'm happy to be back, and thank you for another great episode this week. Um, we're glad to have you back, and thanks oh, for being I'm-
here and producing and all that stuff. Yeah, we're always glad for Mike to come. It's I love you guys. The Mike Love Fest. Yes. All yeah. Right. So for this great episode of Full Sith and all your great emails, and there's tons of other ones here that we still will get around to. I mean, there's some great, great emails. These were just a handful of good ones. Um, this is episode 219 of Full of Sith. And for my great co-host, Holly Fry and Brian Young, I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you. Always. If you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.